Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mount Westwire Football edition, MWR is our website where you can find everything about about most football, basketball, NCAA being weird. Jeremy here, hanging out with Matt Kennerly. And uh, offseason is still chugging along, but Matt, preview time. That's right. We are here to do what we do every year, previewing every Mountain West team one week at a time. And what we're doing over the summer of what we're kind of doing a little bit, a little differently, we're going to do, what do we decide, Matt? Three shows and then like kind of a roundup news show to kind of like a, because there's a lot of news going on in college sports. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, there's you know, just because there's not actual sports going on doesn't mean that there's nothing going on. Oh, of course, you know, at some point we'll have media days, you know, which are virtual this time around. I can't remember <laughs> if we mentioned that on the podcast previously or not, but uh, fingers crossed we'll be able to get in the mix on that. Have uh, a lot to talk about on that front. So yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of things going on over the next few months. Yeah, we got like, and what where we're treating these shows. The reason we're doing that because we want them to be. This is the only one that will probably go and explain everything. So if you miss this one, well, better listen to it, I guess. If you can mm-hmm. hear me for weeks on their own, but call it NCAA's line athletes to return to campus the first week of June, June one actually, which is coming up. Uh, conferences have different dates, and we'll that's what those every third podcast or every fourth podcast will be like. Oh, here's what happened from this. Here's update on the season. Are there going to be fans allowed? Has there been a Huge outbreak on the campus of Tuscaloosa, even though they don't follow Nick Saban's uh, guidance of a mask or something. If SEC yeah. starts middle of June or San Diego State starts in July, I think that's their date. Or there's going to be news like that coming up. Or can we make fun of Paul Feinbaum saying, what if the Pac-12 doesn't exist this year? Which is beyond ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah. stuff like that we'll get to on those podcasts. So we want to keep these team previews basically kind of isolated as their own. So that's what we're doing. So now, Matt, you ready? Colorado State Rams, right? That's the voter's choice. That's right. And we're basically doing on Twitter, MWC Wire on Twitter, touch different there. We're going to put a poll up every week. And we're basically, I think our plan was to start with the new coaches and then roll on everybody else. Yeah, I mean, or we can mix it up. That's that's the beautiful thing is we can basically change the rules anytime we want. At least the first one, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we chose. We Not us chose you, the Twitter followers chose the Rams. So 
What's your what do you want to start with three Do you want to start with kind of your first thoughts of what the deal is after like what three spring practices or something they had? Well, yeah, and that and I think kind of looking back on on the season that was, which in a in a lot of ways is kind of uh, deja vu all over again in yeah. some respects. Um, but obviously, over the off season, there's been a lot of changes. Um, Mike Bogue was out; he's in South Carolina now. Steve Adazio is in as the new head coach, new coordinators in Joey Lynch and Chuck Heater. Um, a lot of skill position players still the same, some transfers both in and out. Um, and so, you know, on the one hand, it's 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 hard not to just feel like, okay, well, is this new staff going to be able to kind of break the the bad habits that the, the Bobo Rams really got into over the last few years? You know, one of the big things that, you know, everybody points to is, you know, they've, they've struggled in rivalry games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think more importantly, at least in, in my opinion, is the fact that they were never consistent in, in closing out in close games. You That's know, it. I think it was that Bill Connolly was the one who pointed out, but they were eight and 13 in one score games under Mike Bubba and that they, they had this habit of losing one or two games per year against, you know, other teams that would finish with a losing record and you know it was really those kinds of things that doomed them and so you know you kind of take a step back and you take stock of what the rams have coming back this year you know i think one of the most important things and i'm pretty sure we mentioned this on one previous podcast or another but when you look at returning production you know across the conference there's a lot of questions that i think every team is going to have and, and csu is no exception but at the same time, you know, the Rams, along with Nevada, and we'll talk about it when we get more to the Wolfpack, you know, they are number one in the conference as far as the returning production they have coming back from last year. And so I overall, think, you say, right, both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, but more more so on offense, but also they're they're kind of middle of the pack as far as defense uh, in, in returning production. So when you know you were talking about you know, making our first decision for these previous podcasts as far as the new coaches are concerned you know i think when you kind of take a step back and, and gauge the larger picture you start to see why there's a more optimistic case to be made for the rams going into 2020 there is like we'll talk about mike we'll get everything we're just kind of over gloss not glossy but kind of big picture you're right like i was doing the research like offense they bring back basically everybody except marvin kinsey running the ball they do lose a couple offers linemen which is a big deal but the it's just weird like who's returning in like we'll get to preston williams and ever and dante Wright and those type of guys but like this overall big picture in offense but steve adagio runs the ball a lot mm-hmm. that's what he's always done but they have the offense like out of any of the new coaches we look at unlv we look at hawaii we look at all the new coaches in new mexico all these teams, uh, Fre- even Fresno State, uh, who am I missing here? Anybody else? There's like six new coaches. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. He's in the best situation at the best season out of any of those coaches, I believe. Yeah. And it's just who they have coming back. But the weird, the interesting thing is about Todd, well, not, me, not Todd Graham, that's why. But Adagio, and again, I wasn't a huge fan of the hire, and we'll see how that goes. Maybe he'll turn me around a little bit, but he's there. It's what they have. But I was looking at what he did at Boston College. We know he likes to run a, run the ball a lot. He had mm-hmm. Andre Williams, Heisman finalist, AJ Dillon, who's with the Green Bay Packers now, second round draft pick. But then, you're like, okay, were they really that good? They just ran the ball a lot. They weren't necessarily good at running the ball in the ACC. 
which is not a great conference outside of Clemson, if we're being honest here. He had yeah. three years, 11th or worse in yards per play running the ball. Mm-hmm. Only like four, like five times, what I've ever written down right here. Four of the seven years he's there, they were top five, and only one year they were top two. So it's not like they're this juggernaut running the ball. They just happen to run the ball a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's he's inheriting a pretty good situation, like you said, though, because you know one of the things that I looked at in my own research is the fact that you know even for all of last year's struggles on both offense and defense on a per drive basis, um, they were improved from where they were in 2018. And part of the problem, though, is that it was still kind of a far cry from where they had been on a per drive on a per drive basis. Excuse me, in 2016 and 2017, mm-hmm. which is which I think explained in part some of their struggles. You know, obviously there's the the, the kind of individual things that stand out, like you know you didn't see David Woodward ripping the ball out of a out of a running back's hands for anybody else. Yeah, but it seemed to be that kind of that kind of snake bit culture maybe culture is not the right word but just kind of the snake bit circumstances that the rams seem to find themselves in more often than not so you you could you when you look back at last year and you see there was improvement you can kind of see though that there's still room for more improvement there is like turnover margin a big deal too they were minus 11 on the year and that's a big deal. It's sort of its luck. We know with the, the shape of the football, it bounces weird. Just go watch that gift of Florida State, Boise State last year, where the ball mm-hmm. just four, four Seminoles can't get the ball because they want to pick it up broad. Then Boise guy dives in and gets it. But like it's not just not just 2018. They've had a string about like 2018. They're minus 10 overall last in the conference. They were middle of the pack plus two in 2016, but or 2017 and 2016 minus one. So the past two years have been really bad and. It's something I know Phil still talks about this as well when he does his previews. Turnover margin is a big deal. Like, if they seriously go from minus 11 to even, let's say they're just even, and you have, that's a big that's a big swing, 11, going plus 11 in one year. But if they go mm-hmm. from 11 to zero, that could be 11 more possessions. And you mentioned how many one possession games they lost, or what, 8 and 13? No, mm-hmm. oh, not overall, not last year, obviously, but I make mean, how many more games could they have won if they were even in turnover margin last year? Yeah, you're right. And, some of it's luck, some of it's dumb football. It's a it's a combination, but it's just one of those things where you gotta protect the ball, and also you gotta have deep because their defense wasn't good at getting the getting the ball. Also, they only had six interceptions last year, and mm-hmm. and seven fumbles recovered, so they only had thirteen of their own. And so it's like if you get that sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, you do a, like a three or four split here, or I guess in this case five or six split, being better defense, five or six split, better protecting the ball yourself. It's both ways. It's not one side or the other. But that right there is one thing where if they get just to be average, that if you get 10 more possessions, that could be up to 70, 80 points. Exactly. And I think that kind of ties into the larger question um, of what is this offense actually going to look like? Because we know who's coming back, and we'll T- talk more about that in a minute. TBD, I don't know. And that's the thing. Because you know when you look at the at least the recent history of, of the hires that they brought in, you kind of see some, some some differences in the way things were run. You know, you mentioned Adazio, and he likes to run the football. Um, last year at BC, to kind of emphasize that point, you know, you look at their starting lineups from last year, um, and they were starting twelve personnel every week, mm-hmm. one running back, two tight ends, and they threw the ball only 33% of the time, and that was 125th on the FBS level. So they were basically throwing it more than just about, you know, less than just about anybody but the service academies. Yeah. (laughs) 
But by contrast, you know, you look at Joey Lynch and the work that he put in at Ball State over the last few years. You know, um, the Cardinals threw it 42% of the time last year, and they threw it 54% of the time in 2018. You know, they were running three wide, which I think, you know, when you look at, at the talent that the Rams have, that that would probably make the most sense. But at the same time, they had a lot of success with the one-two punch that they had in the backfield of Caleb Huntley and Walter Fletcher. You know, those two guys ran the ball 380 times together, and cool. they they were averaging 5.26 yards per carry. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what Adazio is looking for. Yeah, like I was reading, looking at some quotes because I had I think I counted five practices plus what including the scrimmage. Mm-hmm. But he mentioned um, he doesn't see his offense being run heavy because he's not a dumb guy. He's an FBS coach. He comes yeah. in with all these receivers, Patrick O'Brien. Like if you look, like this is not to. Maybe I'm, hyper, I'm being hyperbole here, but their offense, their receiving group, I'm going to say is the best in the conference. Quarterback, like Patrick O'Brien played what he played the majority of last year because Colin Hill got hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. Who, like, outside of, like, who's the best offense? This team in Air Force, possibly? We don't know Hawaii, who they lose all those guys. Like, Nevada has some returning guys, but they weren't great with Talatua. Boise State, yes, Hank Bachmeyer's back, but they lose a couple of guys as well. Like, New Mexico's not going to be that great. UNLV's probably not going to be that great. they got Charles Williams there. Fresno State, we'll see. But, like, San Jose State, new quarterback. Aztecs, new QB, new running game, new coach. Like, this offense could be the best in the league. But, yet could, could be. I think they have the potential to do it. But what Adagio went on to say is, like, he thinks it'll be the complete opposite of what he's done before. He's going to be more explosive. He thinks this could be more explosive than this Rams team last year. And... He might have. He might. He might be able to back it up. But I think the biggest thing is the offensive line is going to be the biggest key for this team. They lose two starters who transferred, and they also have. I think they allowed the most sacks last year in the conference. Twenty-seven. Yeah. So there's potential there, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about the offensive line first, I think it is important to note that you know, it, even though they lost a couple of crucial pieces, you know, you mentioned two transfers. That's T.J. Stormont and Nered and uh, Willie. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have two starters coming back in Scott Brooks and Barry Wesley, and Wesley in particular has really shown himself to be a really flexible, uh, an important piece to that line of the last couple of seasons, and. You know, even though they're going to have to do some kind of shuffling to fill in the other three spots, they did bring in some guys who could potentially plug some of those holes. Like they brought in a transfer from Boston College, um, Cam Reddy, who could be one of those guys. You know, Keith Williams started for the last five games. I believe it was at right tackle last year. Uh, and Chaz Jackson saw time in the rotation in seven different games. So I think that they've got options who could step up but i do think you're right because you know for as strong as the passing game looked at times last year you know the offensive line definitely needs to be hold, held accountable for the fact that they really struggled running the ball just as often yeah one guy as well like it's a tight end they have a couple of tight end but they got miami transfer brian polanday who's mm-hmm. more of a blocking tight end so maybe he could come in and be an extension of that offensive line a bit there's exactly. that could be something like you mentioned the two tight ends that they did a lot and the Rams have obviously pass catching guys but they have a fullback on the roster but if it does it seems like he brought the right guys in for offense it's just uh is he going to be able to stick with a plan to that's kind of against the grain of what he's normally done yeah and I mean you know in that same vein you know we've seen over the last several years like 
they haven't, you know, sometimes it's been a sta- an unstable quarterback situation by design, and some of it has been a, an unstable quarterback situation by circumstance. Mm-hmm. All the ACL you know, tears. All the ACL <laughs> tears or just not being able to pick a quarterback. And so, you know, Patrick O'Brien was pretty good last year. You know, even despite making the occasional mistake, you know, he still had 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And, you know, his yards per attempt were right there among some of the better quarterbacks in the conference. You know, guys like Josh Love and Cole McDonald. And so, you know, obviously you think that he's going to have the inside track to the starting job. Wait, who's going to challenge him? It has to be him, right? There's nobody. Come well, they've on. got a quarterback transfer they brought in, Todd Santeo. Come on. And there's been some talk that he could at least see some packages. We need to stop this with Colorado State. You know, you just said it. They can't make up their mind. Come on. Stick with the guy who was there last year. They bring back their top five pass catchers. A guy who played most of the year, played pretty well. Why would you change that, especially with very little spring? and Who knows how much time to prep for the season? Come on. Mm-hmm. Make it simple, coach. Jeez. I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I know. <laughs> I'm wasting my frustration here. But so who who is this guy again? I completely forgot they brought a transfer in, so I'm glad uh, you brought it up. Todd Santeo came in from Temple. Jeez, really Temple? That's where yeah. you're going. <laughs> hey, you uh, know what? Temple's had some pretty good quarterback play over the last several years. They, Let's not knock the owls. They have been fine, but I'm just saying you got a guy in house who's played well. I guess it could I'm, be good. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I know you're just saying, but uh, if there's some good competition a little bit here and there, that'll be fine. But I fully expect it to be Patrick O'Brien. Like, like I said. If we look at quarterback play, you mentioned how good he is. Who's you have what the top quarterbacks? Donald Hammond, Hank Bachmeyer, I'll put in Shavon Cordero, Hawaii. O'Brien's right in that mix for the best quarterback in the conference. And whoever Wyoming puts out there, because they're kind of uh depends is gonna be out there, Sean or different animal, but yeah. Yeah. Levi Johnson and uh, what Sean Chambers, yeah. But you're right. It, it's not bad to have that, but it's just like keep it simple. What's the problem? Yeah, well, and I, and I think that one of the things that will help maybe stabilize the quarterback situation is having a better running game. You know, one of the things that I think, you know, both the the running backs that they had last year and the offensive line that they were trotting out there every week, you know, the, they, were only, they were only averaging four yards a carry, which I believe was ninth in the conference. But when you look at some of the more advanced numbers, you could see that they weren't really good in any situation. Yeah, you know, they were 125th in, in power success rate, which is basically just converting in short yardage situations, and they were 88th in stuff rate. And you know, just if you look at a per on a per week basis, the uh, the 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 yards per carry numbers that they were putting up, you could see that they were really all over the place. So that was with and without Marvin Kinsey. You know, on the year they had three games where they had above 5.2 yards per carry. And then they had four other games where they were below 2.2 or 2.3, excuse me. So, you know, you look at a guy like Marcos McElroy, who seems at a glance like he could be that next A.J. Dillon type back. And you look at a guy like Jalen Thomas, who, you know, in, in very limited playing time, didn't really do that much. But he looks like a guy who could come in and be that second running back. Um, and they've got guys behind him, you know, guys like Tyrese Jackson, especially if Adazio favors big guys like he has in the past. Yeah, those, and those, are, those are three guys right there, McElroy, Thomas, and Jackson, who could shoulder that load. Yeah, that's what they want. Those big guys are all over – I think they're all three over 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. And with uh, them playing a decent – I guess with McElroy played a decent amount. What do you have, like 400 yards last year as the backup? Yeah. Something like that. It's a couple of TDs. But uh, that's what they need. Like you see what Dylan's done. He had a Heisman finals. Come on, Andre Williams. It's a, mm-hmm. good, thing. It's a good thing to have. So he knows what to do. So if – 
if these two, the running back, it seems to be setting up to be nice. Even like much offensive line returns, what two of the five starters? Mm-hmm. They'll have the transfers come in. It's, I think the offense could be really good. It's just a couple things that may it just takes me to click together with um, coaching, OC, the new line, the new running, the new line and running backs is a big concern. I think they have. So mm-hmm. you know what you do, mate. Just chuck it to Warren Jackson. Come on, make it easy. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it, but I think you know it's important to remember that that skill position talent is more than just him. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because not just Warren Jackson, but tight end Trey McBride, both of whom were among the uh, Pro Football Focus's top 10 returning players in the conference this year. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, Dante Wright as well. I think they're top five pass catchers. And, and that's I, a pretty good start. And I think I was a bit early at Nate Craig Myers. Come on. Well, let's not forget that he didn't yeah. see action in most of his action until the second half of the year. Well, he couldn't. He, he, only, w- he only played in nine games, only started four. Well, he, he had, yeah, he had the tra- he transferred from Auburn, I think, mid or mid season to get the twelve month sit out period, and so he missed the first three games. They ease your way back into it, and then no spring, which is unfortunate or whatever is happening. But I think he could be a guy like I don't think he's better than Warren Jackson, but the track record for Colorado State wide receivers, transferable guys, getting guys to NFL. Like, I'm, I'm not saying he's good as Jackson, but maybe not even Dante Wright, but if he's close to Wright, like, look at that duo. We have four guys, three player, three receivers, and a tight end. That is a unit that's going to be, you can't cover one or two guys. Like, you got Warren Jackson. Okay, we'll double, shadow him, shade him, clip him on the line. Okay, we got the tight end, you got McBride. Oh, you got Nate Craig Myers to figure things. I got Dante Wright, who's really fast. It's like mm-hmm. they can't focus on one type of guy, so somebody's going to be open. They'll have enough weapons where... It's not. I don't think it's going to be like Hawaii last year, just because the volume of them throwing the ball. But there's, there, I can see a different guy every couple of weeks. Like you won't have the same guy leading the team in receptions and yards. There could be a combination of any of these three got three of these four guys leading every week or so. With Jackson being the big, probably big play threat, obviously that we know. And so there's defense is going to be creative, and that's where again goes back to the offensive line. If if the sack rate is just as high as it was last year, even though Jackson was that good, it's not going to be helpful. If, Patrick O'Brien's on his back having to throw more quickly than he thought than he wanted to. And, no, and I mean, but I think the other thing too is like those secondary pieces are going to have to step up as well because down the stretch, especially last year, you know, Jackson was kind of metronomic. He had at least six catches in 80 yards, you know, after missing two games with injury in the middle of the season in every single game that he played down the stretch. But, you know, after uh, after a really strong introduction, for instance, Craig Myers had, had really good performances in his first three games against Toledo, Utah State, and San Diego State, and then didn't have 20 yards receiving the rest of the year. You know, same thing with Dante Wright, I think, to a lesser extent. You know, he definitely got off to a hot start. And even though he ended up with maybe the best freshman campaign by any Rams receiver since Rashard Higgins, there's room for growth there. There is. Same, same with other guys like EJ Scott, Nico Hall, Ty McCullough. You know, they've got a lot of depth there. It's just a matter of, I think, 
you know, you don't want to put all of your eggs in Jackson's basket. No, you don't. If you can, if you can avoid it. Well, and remember, Dante Wright also returned kicks. He scored two yes. rushing touchdowns, so he had two hundred yards, two hundred fourteen yards on the year, rushing the running the ball. Most of it, a lot of it, was against Colorado week one, and both receivers touchdowns for the first two weeks. But he averaged basically almost a carry a game. Um, but he's a guy's versatile guy who could do a lot of different things. And so you're right; they still need to get better. But I think the returning, because here's the thing with this year coming up: if you have returning talent, that's going to benefit you compared to a team who has like the least returning talent in the conference. Even mm. with the new coach, that still doesn't help you. But with all these guys back, a lot of the receiving pass, I think the passing game is going to be fine. It just goes back to, again, running the ball, but that's Adazio's specialty, and just fixing the offensive line a little bit. Like, it could really, like, my projection, project, win projection for this team is probably not as kind as it could be, but I see, a, like, hat, like four to six games, like, toss-up games, where it could go mm-hmm. either way. So, like, there's a reason why I look at the odds for this team. Like, I've done Betty Dodds throughout the offseason. I think they're higher than Wyoming, which is a little shocking to win the conference. But I could see it where there's a path to do that. It's just uh, if they get things together. And the first half of the schedule, which we get to, is, for, for, I think, overly favorable for this team. Well, you, you know what else will help? What helps? Um, taking another step forward on defense. Oh, the good old defense of the Rams. No more You want to know, know what the real irony is? What's that? Last year's Rams defense, by SP Plus anyway, was the best of the Mike Bobo era. <sighs> she finished 78th. <laughs> Defense is terrible. Well, okay, so here's the thing, you know, and again, this going back to my original point, you know, there is room for growth here too. Oh, there's a lot, yeah. You know, because there were some things that they did well last year, which we'll we'll get to as we go through each unit. But you know, when you take a step back and look at the larger picture, one thing you see is that you know they didn't really face a lot of pass attempts because teams didn't often didn't have a hard time <laughs> running the football. And, you know, when you, depending on what numbers you look at, you're kind of left with the idea of, well, did they actually turn a corner in run defense late in the year or not? Because, you know, just in terms of yards per carry, what they did in November was considering who they played pretty impressive. You know, their last four games, they faced UNLV air force, Wyoming and Boise. Those four teams averaged 3.67 yards per carry pretty good right mm-hmm. but on the season when you look at the more advanced metrics they were 112 in line yard carries line yards per carry allowed they were 111th in defensive power success rate so they didn't have much success stopping opponents in short yardage situations either they were 98th in defensive opportunity rate which means they were letting runners get to the second level more often than they should and they were 97th in defensive stuff rate which meant that they weren't getting into the backfield on run plays so, you know, your guess is as good as mine, but the upside is that they're bringing back a lot of pieces up front, which should help them improve. Should be. I'm also looking, I forgot that Toledo game where they gave up 436 yards on the ground. Yeah. Four touchdowns, nine and a half yards per carry. Yeah, they had some <laughs> really rough defensive performances early on. That You know, you could make an argument, I think, that they skewed the numbers a little bit. Not much. Because I mean, I'm trying to get the numbers here. Thing. I'm trying to get the numbers here real quick because it was 436. So let's see if they have a, Oh, I got my per game base. That'll never, I'll take me too long. Never mind. I was going to try to get change it. But what is that? It's. I don't know if there's improvement or not. But like Air Force, they did okay. Wyoming, they held them under four yards per carry. 
the Boise State, it was a seven-point game last year. It's crazy mm-hmm. to think. And that was like one of their best rushing yards per bases outside of uh, FCS was their second best. San Diego State, ironically, was the next best at 2.12. And so mm-hmm. there, I think there is – do you think there's potential there? because they Or they just hit or miss just for whatever reason because there's like four touchdown games here, two games down a touchdown, two yards a game here, but here's six yards against Fresno State who was just okay overall. I do think there's potential there. Because what you kind of saw, especially closer to the end of last year, like that, that November stretch that I was telling you about, you know, you saw some of the best players in the front seven really start to come alive. And what I when I when I look at guys who can absolutely make a huge difference in the Rams taking a step forward or not, I'm looking at guys in particular like Manny Jones mm-hmm. and Ellison Hubbard. Because between the two of them, they had 15 and a half tackles for loss last year. But, you know, there was a stretch in the middle of the season where neither guy was ended up being that disruptive. But then, you know, Jones had six and a half tackles for loss in the last three games. Ellison Hubbard had three tackles for loss in the last four games. And, you know, if those guys can be more consistently disruptive, you know, that's the start of a really strong unit right there. You know, they've got a guy like Devin Phillips who can take up space in the middle. He's entering his junior year. He could be primed to take another step forward. They've still got role guys like Toby McBride, who had five tackles for loss in only six games. You know, we already know that when he's healthy, he can be an impact player. And the guys behind they have behind him, you know, even though they're losing Tron Folsom in the linebacker unit, they're bringing back Cameron Carter. They're bringing back Dequan Jackson. Those two guys combined for 13 and a half TFLs. So what was yeah, the problem? There, what was the problem the last year? The potential, the problem was being consistent. Yeah. Um, I think if, if they can be more consistent, there's definitely a lot of talent there that can that can make an impact. So what about Scott Patchman? He's a grad transfer from Miami coming over. So that yeah. maybe that'll add something. I'm not sure exactly what he did. It's going to be a six-year of eligibility, it looks like. So depth-wise, he played, 13, he played all 13 games last year, two and a couple sacks, nothing great. But it could just add depth to a unit, and maybe that's all they need, like some depth and consistency, because they don't need him to come in to be amazing. Like you mentioned, they got a – oh, shoot. What's their name? Um, what, oh, jeez. What's uh, – Who'd you say? Manny, what's the guy's Manny Jones? Sorry, Manny I've Jones, yeah. I've read for him like I'm, my page is weird. I'm just blanking out half a second. But I've those Jones and Hubbard, as I'm going along, because I wrote that down. You see those names. He doesn't. Patchen doesn't come in to be that guy. But if it's a guy, okay, he played at Miami. It's like okay, cool. He played at the Power Five ACC school. Um, Adazio knows him probably touched just from the past couple of years. It's going to be good at depth. But your consistency is right, like up and down, and then also like I'll jump to the secondary really quick. They lose Jamal Hicks, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. They have Logan Stewart back, but one thing too, it goes back to the turnover margin. They weren't, they made some plays, but they could never hold on to the ball to the interceptions. It's like that's not key to be like successful, but you got to be a little bit better than what they've been the past little while to have the deep to help out the offense. Like, remember, it's a two way street, guys. You create a few turnovers, we'll prevent a few, give you a couple more attempts, a couple more um, scoring opportunities because they were, they only had six interceptions last year. That's not good enough if they're going to be a team that is a dark horse to win the the Mountain Division. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple different reasons for that. You know, one of the things that it, cor- it does correlate, you know, past defenses, you know, with you know, the year-to-year success. So I think if they can get their hands on more passes, they should be in pretty good shape. And I think, you know, they only had six interceptions. They did have 41 pass breakups, which isn't 
isn't terrible. Like it isn't mm. an elite number, but it wasn't as though they weren't doing anything. Sure. They had their hands on the they, wall. Yeah, they made plays, but grab a couple of those guys, get some stick them or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I think, you know, at the same time, they also dealt with some injuries in the secondary as well. And I look at, you know, Rashad Ajayi in particular mm-hmm. as a guy who, after a really strong freshman campaign, was really plagued by injury for most of the year. And you kind of have to wonder how much losing him had an impact. Um, because yeah, at the same time the, that the run defense was really stepping up in November, you know, opponents had a 141.43 passer rating in November as well, which I think was like ninth or 10th in the conference. And when you take a step back and look at the entire season, you know, they really struggled defending the pass, especially against the better teams on their schedule. You know, they were ninth in the conference against teams with winning records as, as far as passer rating. And, you know, even though they faced the fewest pass attempts of any team in the Mountain West, they were still, you know, I think, you know, third best in opponent's completion rate. But, you know, again, most of the time that didn't matter because they couldn't stop the run. Yeah, like even the yards per attempt were actually pretty good second in the conference. But mm-hmm. you mentioned passer rating drops them way down. It's like looking at like like part of that when you look at passer rating, two games, a couple games look at where you can it can artificially, I guess, deflate that in this case to make it look better. You played an SDS team in Western Illinois. You pay, played a pass-heavy or run-heavy run team in Wyoming. But then again, Air Force, they loved, that was like their worst game all year pass yards per attempt at 11 and a half. And so you can change a little bit when they play certain teams, but it's like New Mexico's not very good. But again, it's consistency. Like, why would you – I get Air Force can have one of those games, but why are you giving up – 126 yards Air Force, five completions and three touchdowns. It's like you can't do that type of stuff. Arkansas, that was a a shootout they lost. They give up 55 points, but I think I think it, it, you're right. I think be disciplined and more consistent, make a few more plays here and there. And I'll say this for this team, like I say for other teams in the past that are that close, if they can be pretty much average overall on defense, they'll be a much better team. And that seems simple to say, but it's not. It's not wrong. Their offense is good enough to be one of the best in the conference. Get that defense to the middle of the pack on a, like a yards per play basis, um, and don't have an extreme like your pass defense is way better than your rush defense. Keep them within what deviation of two, I'd say somewhere in that range, like two mm. places I should say within the conference, and you're going to be pretty good this year. It's see, it's that simple, Matt. What else? What else you got to tell people? Come on. <laughs> well, and if you're and if you're looking for for upside, you know, one of the things you can say about that secondary is you know even despite the fact of losing Hicks. They're pretty deep, all things considered, because Ajayi should be back to 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, they still have Stewart, as you mentioned, but they've also got some young guys who, even if they weren't picking off passes week in and week out, were making an impact, you know, here and there. You know, you look at sophomore cornerbacks like Keevan Bailey and Brandon Crossley, for instance. You know, someone like Ty, uh, Taiwan Francis could step up into Hicks's place or maybe Quinn Brennan. You know, all of those guys saw a pretty healthy amount of playing time last year. And, and even this guy like, you know, Marshawn Cameron, who's a senior, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at a secondary that's easily four deep at corner, which could help them match up if, if teams want to be able to spread it out against them. And they already proved that they were pretty capable uh, defending the pass when things were going well. And another thing that could help in that regard, which I didn't get to mention earlier is the fact that, you know, for as rough as they had it against defending the run, the guys up front were pretty good about generating a pass rush as well. You know, in terms of you know raw sacks, they had 26 on the season. That was fourth in the Mountain West. 
But when you look at their sack rate, you know, again, because they didn't face that many pass attempts, they had a sack rate of 8%, and that was number one in the conference. Yeah, it's just so get, I think, get I think the chances. They can, so I think if they can hold on to those gains, you know, those are the kinds of things that could be the difference between losing a one-score game and winning it this time around. It's true. It's, yeah, there's, it's, this might be the biggest, not what if team, but team that if they get together on some level or 85% together, they could be pretty good. And yeah. like, uh, I guess the other position when you get to his linebacker, um, I guess who would, you, would these be the guys? Dequan Jackson, Cameron Carter, probably the top two, top couple guys they have. Yes. So again, we've already kind of, we've already kind of glo- not glossed over, but kind of went over their running game, their passing game, but what they can do defensively, like on, on an individual basis, they need like the defense just can't be a bunch of guys. They need like a couple guys to come up and do like do well that linebacker spot. So like the tackles for loss, you would expect your linebackers to have more TFLs than your defense linemen, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't have that last year. Yeah. And and so that's something where maybe Dick, well, Dick on Jackson was number two on there, but it's like they have. Like Jones and Hubbard were above. Those guys were doing about 13 apiece or combined TFLs, but they need to be like, just get a little bit more. It's like if all those guys get like three more total, is that too much to ask for those four guys to get 12 more TFLs combined? I don't think so. Like if all those guys average like nine apiece, maybe not. I don't like it's just a look. That's all it is. They're like, this team is the one score losses, the controversial ending versus Utah State. Um, loot certain things here and there where they're close versus Colorado, but they get blown out the end. Defense does up, up or down. I think the main thing for this team is just consistency. Be more consistent and take like two steps up on the ladder, and you're going to be able to compete with all, basically any almost anybody in the conference. I don't think uh, that's saying too not, much. Let's not forget, though, that both uh, Carter and Jackson were both sophomores last year. Yeah. So I think there was maybe a little bit of learning curve in their first year as a starter. And you can even throw someone like Muhammad Kamara mm-hmm. into that mix as well. You know, he started a handful of games. It is kind of like a nickelback kind of guy um, or like a, a, a box linebacker or something like that. Um, but, you know, all those guys were kind of learning on the fly, especially late in the year. And, you know, last year's trials or this year's experience. And, you know, when you go back to that big picture of the Rams having more experienced than anybody else in the conference. So those are the kinds of things that could pay dividends this year yeah. if things break right. All right, let's get to special teams. This might be one of the better special teams units as well. They got I think, I think their punish pretty good, right? The, the, is this the the Ryan Stonehouse appreciation minute? Heck yeah. What do you got? <laughs> well, uh, it's good. We could, keep, we could keep it simple. I mean, the Rams were sixth last year in the FBS by net punting. That's good. That's pretty good. Uh, I think he was an all-conference first-team performer for the second time, if I'm not mistaken. Also good. I mean, if he's not at least a Ray Guy semifinalist, I think something's gone terribly wrong. Like somebody chopped off his foot, right? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. (laughs) But yeah, you got – that's another thing. Like, that's another weapon on this team. Like, I was looking at our buddy Pete Futak. He has the Rams preview up over there right now. One of the best defenders. He put Stonehouse, I think, as our number two defender. So is that a good or bad thing that he has him that high up? But if your net putting is that good – and you get in a jam, he could clear you out of a jam if you get stuck deep to change field position, whether to give you some room or get That's some team exactly it. or yeah. get some team stuck in the corner. Because if your offense is struggling, push back, push back, you kick it out of the end zone, he might be able to get you to the other if it's a really, really good cook, cook, kick past midfield. And so that's some stuff they, they can do with him. And so that's it is a huge weapon. So you kind of 
joke about the punting game, but for a team that needs every little bit to get those victories, four or five yards per punt adds up. Like if you get a couple yards per punt here, that's better than your team. You get turnover margins a little bit better for you. You're half yard better run defense. You get another some sort of like I mentioned turnover difference that adds mm-hmm. up to a lot. It's a lot of small things that could help them be good, but he's should be preseason special teams player of the year, possibly. I don't know. We got Dante Wright as well. It's pretty good as well, returning kicks and punts. That's true. And so you got it's hit. Not, it's not all rosy, though. No, what, 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 the field goal kicking game? Is that the problem the here? Field goal kicking was very <laughs> dicey last year. And it, I mean, it really stood out when, you know, the rest of the conference had, or at least most of the rest of the conference had really good kickers. We had four guys who didn't miss a PAT last year. It's pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, and in some respects, you know, some of the numbers are skewed by the fact that they were asked to to make a lot of long attempts. Like, you know, just looking at Caden Camper, for instance, he was seven of thirteen, but he was four of eight from over forty yards, which you know was kind of hit or miss. They were putting him in a lot of really demanding situations, but you know, in his particular case, he got a DUI in February, and uh-huh. at least for right now, he's not even listed on the roster. On the spring roster. There's, there's a chance that could change. I wasn't able to identify anything that said he got kicked off the roster. Um, but, you know, between him, between Max Paduska, you know, they've got to find some consistency. Because that's another one of those little things, again, that could make the difference between losing a close game and winning it. That's right. There's that, too. So special teams will be, I think, overall pretty good, right, for them? Yes. It's just a field goal kicking unit. They have a couple of guys. They should hopefully be able to figure it out. All right, should we go to what? Are we, what's what is our normal mojo here? Schedule time. Yes, it is. I made a I made my Google Doc also color coded this year, Matt. Very nice, very and, nice. And also filled out before we started the show, which sometimes that's not the case as I go along. Very nice. So when we do these here, we're not going to do a super deep dive on every team because eight of the games are conference games, mm-hmm. but we do have four non-conference games here, and again, their schedule I think sets up amazingly for them. Like yes. the first half is great, second half gonna be some landmines out there but let's just get started like week one the rocky mountain is it still gonna be called the rocky mountain showdown versus colorado despite it not being at the home of the denver broncos well i mean if it isn't officially it's not gonna stop me from calling it that fair enough (laughs) that's exactly this game's at um ram stadium right i believe so was it cam canvas stadium yes how many people intended? TBD. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, that, I mean, they're going to sell it out as much as they can sell it out. Well, we'll yeah. Well, that'll be one of our shows where it's the off week. Like, all right, what's the attendance numbers? How are people going to show up? We'll know some more by then. But it's at home, which – do. You, what do you think of Phil about this game? Because it's been at, for a long time, at whatever Maha Stadium is called now, where the Broncos play in Denver. It fills out. It almost sells out. There's a huge demand for this game, which I'm kind of – I sh- we shouldn't be too surprised, but if you were to tell anybody outside the area, yeah, Colorado, Colorado State, Pac-12, Mountain West, or even back then, Big 12, Mountain West, a uh, rivalry game, neutral sites, there would be 60,000 people. People would laugh at it, but that's not the case. This thing fills up the stadium. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. it, that's, it is kind of wild to think about this type of game could fill that many people. When, mm-hmm. the, when neither program has really been, like, it's not like a, either program is a consistent top 25 team. The hate is real. The hate is real, so it's out in Canvas Stadium. We'll see how many people show up. But this game, here's what we know about Colorado. New head coach, mm-hmm. zero spring football practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> zero. They lose Steven Montez, whichever you feel about him. Levick Chenault, who's with the – he was drafted by somebody. He was uh, drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, that's right, the Jaguars. 
this new quarterback, Tyler, Tyler Lytle, who might be their starting quarterback, has six com- career passes. And is projected backup as a freshman. Yeah, and not, and not only that, they're also losing another one of their wide receivers, Tony Brown. They're mm-hmm. losing three starters from their secondary last year. And so I feel like we say this every year. This is but the if year? They can, but if they can't <laughs> beat the Buffaloes now, well, but like when is it going to happen? I, I don't know. The one big thing about the rant, Buffalo Buffs that we know, their best player will likely be on offense, Alex Fortnott, who had about 900 yards last year. Yeah. So a lot of handoffs to him. Which means the running game, that's the area where I think it could come into play. Get the running game going against him to stop him. That's what they're going to rely on because, like, we look at Carl Durrell. Like, he was fired at UCLA for not doing a terrible job. But in retrospect, he probably could still be the coach just because of what they've been doing the past couple of years with Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh and now they got Chip Kelly there. It's been not great. But he was one of their better coaches. But he had, like, the one good year. That's about it. But he's a pretty good coach. But he's, like, the way they got to get him was pretty, I don't want to say slimy, but when you have Mel Tucker going a week earlier, there's no transfer portal in life to be jump ship to get triples pay in Michigan State. Not blaming him, but the way he left wasn't great because what he said shortly before he actually left the program. Complained yeah, that's, about, that's what every head coach says, though. I know, but it's, it is, but still, it's still, like, still sucks. How about you keep it quiet? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I hate that you, you could be disappointed, like, ah, oh, it's unfortunate he left. He didn't want to be around the program or whatever it may be. We like we'd like players to stay. It's it's unfortunate when guys leave. Like you could be kind of disappointed and grumpy, but you can't go out and blast people when your chance comes up and you're like, oh crap, and then you end up mm-hmm. bolting and going. So, but Durrell was was he was in the uh, NFL for a couple years as well, I believe. He was at um, he's with the Texans, with the Jets, he's with the Dolphins, and he's with the Dolphins last year where. People thought they'd be the worst team in the league, and they actually were pretty good at Brian Flores late in the season. Mm-hmm. And so they did all right, but this, like you're right, if they don't win this year, when, when's it going to happen? Because Bill C has them a 61% chance to win this game. Yes. Are you yeah, agree? They, they project uh, the Rams to be ahead of the Buffaloes in, as far as SP+. Oh, what is that? I don't have that in front of me. What are they? What's the rank? Um, well, in, in their preseason projections, uh, CSU is 79 I got that uh, here. Colorado is 91. Ooh, bad year for the Buffs. Yeah. So what's your projection here? Uh, I've got them winning at home. Same here. 1-0. They, they better win at home. They better <laughs> That's win. That's all I'm going to say. Would you I, – I, I put in my notes here. I may, I may – we'll publish this again, our game-by-game schedule results, because that was kind of fun to do last year. I may or may not keep this in here, but I think I'm leaning toward it. I'm putting in toss-up games. I'm putting this clearly as a toss-up game. Just because okay. the, the history – the Rams haven't been able to beat them very often, and so new coach or some equalizers, equalizers there. But I, do you think it's a toss-up, or do you have the Rams kind of comfortably being able to win? I mean, I feel like until further notice, it's got to be a toss-up. Okay. Like, I feel this is one of those situations where CSU's got to show me something. Exactly. All right, next game, Oregon State on the road. They are actually almost identical, a 76 um, SP+. SP plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rams are given a 43% chance to win this game. Oregon State's a team that hasn't been great, but neither have the Rams. And so they were they were a lot better yes, last year. They surprised you know, people. They they had some kind of close game misfortunes of their own. They lost like one, two, three games by I think six or seven combined points. And and one of those was the game at Hawaii earlier Mm -hmm. in the year. That's right. Um, But, you know, they lost by, uh, by three to Stanford. They lost by one at Washington state. 
And, you know, even in the Civil War against Oregon, they were, you know, it was only 24 to 10. So, I mean, they had chances to, to try to turn the corner. But kind of like the Buffaloes, this is another team that's kind of starting over in a lot of respects. Jake Luton is gone. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Hodgins is gone. And so they've got more, I think, to replace on offense. You know, we talked about it with the Rams. Beaver's almost the exact opposite on in offensive returning production. They're 123rd nationally. Not good. <laughs> yeah, but they, at the same time, at the same time, they're also bringing back a lot on a defense that was much improved last year. They do. I think one thing as well, the offense, like they scored 35 points six or more times last year. Mm-hmm. And so even without Luton or even Isaiah Hodgins, those guys you mentioned, like Devontae or Vardy Pierce has done all those guys we mentioned. They have depth there to come back. They might not be as good, but with this type of offense, maybe with I know it's a lot of new guys, but it's not necessarily like the Rams, but it could be like the Hawaii Hawaii. We could see this could be like a Hawaii scenario for this team where going into the season where you have a lot of talent gone, but your offense has put up points before in the past. And those guys who played, it may not be as prolific, but it still might be good enough to be better than whoever they're facing or other teams. Like it's still this difference in between new guys may not be huge because the scheme they type the run. Yeah. And what I think maybe the most fascinating thing I found on my research is that apparently the Beavers are stacked at linebacker. Yeah. They've got a guy, Hamilcar Rochette Jr. Who was number one in the pac 12 with 22 and a half TFLs last year. Oh boy. But their top five linebackers combined for 47 and a half TFLs and 26 sacks. So that's like three starters and two backups there. Playing. <laughs> that's, that's a wrecking crew right there. Why don't they do the 2-5 defense? Two defensive linemen and five linebackers. I mean, if they're rangy <laughs> enough, they could probably get away with it. That'd be interesting. But yeah, that's a defense. The more you, that, that, that just shows you how much I pay attention to Oregon State football on, on that's a lot. normal occasions. That's okay. It's a lot of TFLs. No, that's it's crazy. That's It's huge. So that going up against this, the that could be a thing. Like, how many sacks do they have? Do you have, do you have that in front of you? The sacks they pursued and achieved? like I said, those those linebackers had twenty six between the five of them. Okay, remember what we said about the Rams sack rate? They're like second worst in the conference. Mm-hmm. And if they replace a couple of offense linemen, they're going to need to mix in that play action. And I guess the good thing with the Rams offense out, they could they could maybe spread them out and maybe take one of those linebackers out out of the field so instead of having four. They have three or whatever the deep. I'm not sure their scheme is, but maybe they have to bring in another DB occasionally because mm-hmm. they go so many so wide. They push out a, the tight end out there to be a receiver. Jackson, Bright, Craig Meyer. Like if they could spread them out, they can maybe minimize that. That could be a thing too, or you can use it to your advantage. Play action. They they they're clearly good at attacking the quarterback, attacking the running game. Suck them in whoop, over the top and get something like that going on. That could be a way to do it, but it's going to take some discipline and. Uh, some good offense to get that going, but that could be a good. That could either be great or terrible for the Rams that game. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a really good. What's their secondary like? It looks like last year they weren't very good. Yeah, I mean they had some <laughs> they had some work done against them in the secondary. <laughs> Twenty eight double touchdowns allowed. That's not good. Yeah, um, they do lose. It, it could be a benefit. They, um, like Jalen Moore is done. Maybe that's fine. I don't know. They, they weren't very good. But this is a game where I'm not gonna. Say, it's a game there could be a lot more points than people think. This could Possibly. be this could be yeah. a sneaky game where there could be like eighty combined points, like maybe the Washington State Oregon State of last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that many, but it could be a lot of points because neither neither defense overall is great. They're fine, but they're both allowed to give up points. Re- replacement players in certain areas, like the Beavers' offense, replacing a lot. We'll see how that goes. But 
I, I put this as a toss-up, but I'm going Rams to start 2-0. Yeah, I got this one pegged as a loss. Oh, because it's a road game mostly? Yeah, and I mean, I feel like, you know, I for as good as the Rams look like they will be on paper on offense, I just, I have I have trouble kind of being 100% optimistic about what they're going to do against a, what looks like could be a, a defense that takes a big step forward this year. It's true, but also remember, the Beavers' offense lost all the talent, so. That's true. Just yeah. it. It's, it. I think it's going to be a close one. It, it's, that's why I put it in there as a toss-up. Yeah. Uh, then they got uh, Northern Colorado victory, right? Good. Yeah. Starting okay. over with Ed McCaffrey as their head coach. Oh, Ed McCaffrey is he? Is he actually is he in the Hall of Fame for the Broncos being receiver? The football Hall of Fame? Yeah. Is it Ed McCaffrey? I don't think so. It's, let me look at this real quick. I know he was an undrafted guy who made his way to be really good, like amazingly good. I'm, um, let's just move on. I'm just I, for some reason I wanted to say that, but I know he's very good with the Denver Broncos for like what twelve years. Mm-hmm. All pro. Second team, okay, maybe not three three times Super Bowl champion. That's good enough for me. Yeah. So that'll that'll be a little sideshow, not side, not a sideshow, but kind of a little nugget to keep in mind. Hey, you know Ed McCaffrey, coach Northern Colorado. There you go. Victory. Um, all right, at Vanderbilt, another SEC team, or I guess the first one, Power Five team, three Power Five teams on the schedule. None that are overly like great, right? No, I mean this on paper this there's a pretty good chance that the team goes 4 and 0 but again with the rams at least as far as the last few years go you just kind of never know yeah and we look at, at vanderbilt they still have Derek mace as their head coach which is good but um, they fell apart last year they did and they they actually had i think they had three guys drafted this year in nfl draft um, I remember Keshawn Vaughn got drafted i don't remember who else got well, drafted well i know deuce wallace is at least with the um Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Deuce Wallace, the starter. Riley Neal is with the Denver Broncos. I don't know if he got drafted. Then also, wide receiver Kalija Lipscomb is in the NFL as well. I don't know oh, if yes. We're, I'm not sure if they'll draft or draw on teams. So they lose like their three offensive key weapons, just like the Oregon State Beavers did. And then yeah. they'll also return. They are – here's the interesting thing. They're fourth most production back on defense, 122nd. 20, 122nd. In returning offense, so it's kind of a split, which makes it about middle of the pack overall. Like I think seventy or eighty. They're also yeah. three and nine last year. Apparently, but, they 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 lost four quarterbacks to what? like the draft or transfers or graduation or whatever, <laughs> and have four new quarterbacks in the mix, including a former Hawaii quarterback, Jeremy Musa. Oh, I remember him. I what did I see? Deuce Wallace could be the starter. I think I went to the Tennessee for a minute. Maybe I'm daydreaming, but that is some bad attrition. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, and they've got, you know, it's not to say that they don't have interesting pieces. Like, you know, Cam Johnson caught 30 passes as a freshman last year. Yeah. But it, it's Vanderbilt. Let's not forget that this team lost to UNLV last year. They didn't they also crush Nevada last year, too, I think it was? No. Was or was it the year before? That was two years ago. Oh, two years ago. Okay. All right, so um, I, because it's a road game and it's going pretty far, I'm going to toss up loss for the Rams, unfortunately. Now, I'm going to be shocked if the Rams don't walk away with this one. So, if you were to rank their non-conference schedule, you would put Vanderbilt at the top for the for the most likely victory. Yes, I think I would go Colorado. Will, not not counting Northern Colorado. Well, clearly, yes. So, I, sorry, Northern Colorado Bears, but we're just saying <laughs> <laughs> the FBS teams. Apologies they play. to all the UNC fans out <laughs> yeah, there if they're out there hanging out. So, yeah, uh, I just think the big road trip going out there. Maybe I'm a little spooked by what happened in Nevada. Where they got crushed a couple years ago. They got a good head coach. That's one thing. I think Derek Mason's a pretty good coach. 
you're at Vanderbilt, so it's tough. But it's a toss-up. I can you can probably convince me to pick uh, them. Maybe I will. I'm going to change right now. I'm going to go. They're going to start four and zero. All right. And they're going to be ranked. okay. They're going right. to be ranked after being four and zero. You're banking on some pretty big wins, then I think you're telling me if they go three and overs. Here's what here's what it'll be. Colorado beats three power five. Colorado State, excuse me. Colorado State Rams beat three power five opponents in the preseason or non conference schedule. You telling me that's not going to get them ranked even if it's three of the worst power five teams. <laughs> Well, you know, it works for South Florida. <laughs> I'm just saying, it works for a lot of teams. Marketing, but, but then again, South Florida was kind of by the skin of their teeth a couple of years ago. So. Mar- yeah, marketing's a nice thing, but I'm like, if we're being honest, like four and zero is not out of the realm of possibility. Oh, it absolutely is not. No, I'm not saying it is. Like the teams they play aren't amazing, but like look at Bill C's like his win probability on Twitter. He's instead of doing his big previews, he's putting like graphs and images on Twitter to go through. So, 61 percent chance to beat Colorado. 43 versus Oregon State, 57 Vanderbilt. Those are technically all those are all toss-ups. Also, I would not be surprised if they're one and three either. That wouldn't surprise me either, because I think all these games are toss-ups. But that would that would be a huge bummer if they were one and that, three. That that would be that would suck royally, but I think they could like the very worst two, but I'm leaning they should be able to have at least three wins in non-conference play. I don't think like if you get anything and whatever. If you get two, it's like, eh, it feels kind of wishy-washy because one of those is in northern Colorado. But mm-hmm. unless you beat Colorado and you're two and two, you're probably fine with it to two home games. But I, I don't – like three should be – what you, is three the expectation almost? Yeah, I think it should be. Three. So you have them at three and one, right? Yes, I do. Okay, I, got, I changed it to four and oh. So Rams saying to say, hate you, come at me. Well, four, and four and, and the good thing is that like even if they do stumble out the gate in September – like they or January or February. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I had to. No, no. It's just, I mean, they've still got a chance to set themselves up to be a dark horse contender in the Mountain West because their first three conference games are home against Fresno State, home against New Mexico, at UNLV. So what about those games? I my kind of prediction. Like I could be real optimistic, but I don't think I'm going to keep going that way. I think out of those games, the most likely loss is home versus Fresno State. I mean, I think you're right. Because, like, at UNLV, at Allegiant Stadium, like, unless Charles Williams runs wild and they, whoever's going to be quarterbacks, I don't think it's going to be Armani Rodgers with Arroyo, whatever he's got up his sleeve there as Oregon offense coming down to uh, Vegas. Like, New Mexico is going to be, like, almost a year negative one just about. <laughs> I think with Danny Gonzalez. Or something years year, you know what I mean? One of those type of deals. But Fresno has a new coach, but he's the old OC coming back to town. Fresno has a running game. Their defense probably should. Be, I'm going to refer to you a little bit. Defense should be pretty good, right? As usual, not quite as great, but it still be okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. But they got the running game maybe. going for them, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I see a lot of similarities between the Bulldogs and the Rams personally, such as. Well, I mean, I think the fact that, you know, they both seem to be very offensively inclined. I think, you know, the big difference between the two is obviously Fresno State's got their quarterback situation to sort out, which Correct. we'll deal with that when we get there. It's important. Um, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I feel like the defense is maybe slightly more dicey than the Rams. So if we're just going to cut to the chase, I have them going 3-0 and in this stretch. Ooh, so you're sitting at 6 7-1? Well, no, it's actually uh, oh. one, two, three, six and one. Oh, six and one. Going into the border war at home against Wyoming. 
So I'm asking this. We both have them at six and one at this point. Are they going to be ranked at six and one? I don't think so. You don't think so at six and one? I don't one? think so. Why not? I mean, if, if you just look in terms of like the raw strength of schedule, I, I get it. There's ways to 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 account for like adjustments and things like that. I get it. But just in terms of like overall opponents' record from last year, they, they're tied for 103rd nationally. Mm. You know, I think if they get some help from some of the other teams on their schedule, like if Fresno State gets off to a fast start, if you know New Mexico and UNLV will you know play closer to 500 than a winless team, then maybe. Okay. But I ha- I have kind of a hard time seeing it. I do too. But I'm I'm looking for I'm trying to be overly optimistic apparently. But six at one, like that's their best start. I don't since Sonny Lubick was in town. I don't know, or when they had Steve Fairchild doing good things for that one year. Well, they won ten games back in what 2014. Yeah, it wasn't Steve Fairchild. No, no, that was. Uh, it was still Bobo. Year oh, one. What's the heck? I don't no. remember. I'm trying to remember. Well, look at no, because Bobo had six and six. Remember that was this thing. July six. Jim McElwain. Jim oh, McElwain. Ma- oh, McElwain. That's right. Sorry, McElwain came after Fair. That's right. Okay. Yeah, McElwain. Had a, so had a brain fart there. Apologies to all the Rams fans out there. That's still six years ago. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's a whole recruiting cycle plus some. So the good news is, Matt, they, they could start. Really good. The bad news: those final five games are brutal. <laughs> That's. A, I mean, if you know what though, if they get to the top of the mountain division, nobody's going to be able to say they didn't earn it. Definitely not. So they have up after this. I'll roll up the schedule. And we'll kind of go pick a little bit here and there. They host one. You may already mentioned a border war. That'll be tough because even them losing the Cowboys, losing like Logan Wilson, um, all the guys in secondary, they still have arguably one of the best running backs in the conference. Quarterback play seems fine, whether it's Sean Chambers or Levi Williams. It's going to be perfectly fine, whoever it is there, I think. It depends if they're going to throw a pass, or I mean runner pass. They go to San Diego State, which could be fairly winnable because, again, they don't have a quarterback at the moment. Running game is, we'll see how it goes. New head, sort of a new, well, new head coach, Brady Hoke, coming up from the D-line to take over Rocky Long. They go to Air Force, who could literally win the conference, I think. Utah State is probably the easiest opponent than to go to Boise State. That's a very difficult schedule. Three of their final four games are on the road, and four of their last six are on the road. Yeah. So, like, what's the most winnable game in there? Is it Utah State? In my opinion, yeah. By how, by, Are you confident saying that, or what? I would say by a reasonable amount. Interesting. What's your... Um, trying to think... I mean, if you're, if, you're, if you're talking in terms of, like, tiers... Yeah, I, I would put Utah State as the most winnable game. I would put Air Force and Wyoming as kind of the next neck and neck. I put San Diego State behind that, and then Boise. State. Wait, you put That's San Diego, you put San Diego State number two. San Diego State is probably still going to have a really good defense. <sighs> and I, I put them more. They, they had a, they had a modest offense last year, and the Rams were never competitive in that game. It's true. The defensive chokehold is real, and they're on the road this time. I put honestly put San Diego State even though they might be the like the West champs possibly, I put them closer to Utah State than Boise State. Like I probably put Wyoming and San Diego State in the same tier. I'd put Air Force and Boise far ahead at the top. I don't know. It's a you're looks like you're a little more confident than Aztecs than I am at the moment, but whatever. Aztec fans hate me anyway, so I don't care too much. <laughs> but now we know the Aztecs will have a good defense. It's on the road. Um, so what do you got? Are they going to beat? Can they beat Wyoming? Or is it? I know it's early to tell without knowing the quarterback situation, without knowing some of the replacement defenders. It's it's at home. Oh, they definitely can. 
You think the Rams? I, I mean, hey, you I can mean, always win. We, we would have said the same thing like the last three years, though, too. How, and, and and watching the border war, I think for, for, from the Rams' perspective, must have been one of the more frustrating things year in and year out, just because you know there was the snow game a few years ago, and then last you know, year, last too, wasn't year it? they just couldn't get anything going on offense and things like that, and they just kind of let those opportunities slip away. Was last year's so, game where Levi Levi came into play? Uh, I don't I don't have that box. I'm, I'm looking to see real quick, but like I'm looking at um. Like Bill C's SP plus and win probability. Yes, it was. That was okay, and that that's, a, that's to lose to that type of game. That's kind of being for you can only score seven points, which I get their defense. But when you're going up against a brand new quarterback, they had Vander Vanderwall as well came into play in that game too. But again, when you have Xavier Valaday, that's tough to uh, stop. But like looking at Bill C's like his win probability, his Wyoming is like their third third most likely victory. Mm-hmm. Almost he has. You well no no sorry maybe fourth but like they're sixty one percent at home that's what am I missing here because I think Wyoming's better than CSU. I think it's closer to fifty fifty than S and P plus suggests. I, I do too. I just think part of the, again whoever has the best players in certain positions is probably going to win, and Wyoming will have the best player in the run, running the game, mm-hmm. and their quarterback whether it's Sean Chambers or not and. Wyoming's defense is going to be fine to Craig Bull. It's not, it maybe take a step back with a lot of that talent, like Halliburton gone and Logan Wil- or Wilson, all those guys leaving. I think it's going to be a step back, but they can just hold the ball. And we saw the, what the Rams' rush defense was last year. I'm going Wyoming with the victory. Yeah, same here. Oh, yes, you agree with me. <laughs> I thought you were going the yeah, other way. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's not going to surprise me if the Rams finally exercise a few demons. <laughs> But it's also not going to surprise me if Craig Bull and company foil them again. So what about San Diego State? What do you what do you got for them real quick? We'll just kind of blast through these. I've, right I've got that one as a loss as well. Loss. Me too. What do you got at Air Force? Uh, I have that one as a win. Interesting. Why is that? Because I don't. I'm a little cooler on the Falcons than you are, I Dang. think. Get on board, man. Come on. There's plenty of room still. <laughs> I mean, they're replacing a lot. They are. Some and I think, you know, for as good as they were last year in a lot of different respects, it's going to be really hard to do that again. And which is not to say I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff or anything like that. But I think, you know, just going back to look at SP Plus again, you know, they give CSU a 40% chance to, to win this game. I think, again, it's probably closer to 50 50. I think these two teams are more evenly matched than they have been over the last couple of years. I, don't, I think the thing with Air Force where the um, downfall could be a little bit is that they're not going to have the same passing game. Which, not that it's a downfall, but it's going to be different. They're not going to have Daniel Gerard Sanders. He's gone. Donald Hammond's back at quarterback. They do have Caden Rensburg and others running the ball well. The running game will probably be one of its best in a while. But unless some no-name receiver we at the moment we're not quite sure of steps up and does something amazing, it's going to be more like instead of like 94% run, 99% run essentially. And so... If a team can slow that down a little bit, that's how they're going to get them because they're not defenses aren't going to worry about the passing game. There'll still be those deep passes here and there, but I expect the passing game for Air Force to take a step back compared to last season. And mm. so they're going to run more. They may not be as good, but I think the running game is going to be can comp, almost compensate for that. And then also to consider those games. Um, oh, I got the wrong schedule up here. Shoot, are they back to back? Is there a bye week in between those two games or not? Uh, you know what? I don't have the bye weeks in front. I'm of checking right now. Here we go. I got it right here. They, that's why I think it's not a win. They they have San Diego State and Air Force back to back on the road. I know Air Force is down the street, 
but playing a tough San Diego State defense and then playing Air Force, like that's going to be hard to overcome. That's why I have the uh, no, them not winning. I have them losing both games actually. Mm-hmm. Utah State. I was debating back and forth on this. I haven't listed officially for my reasons a toss-up game, but I think they're going to beat Utah State out. Same. That's it. oh, you're quick to say. Is there any hesitation in saying that or no? No, not really. Okay, why is that? Well, I mean, we'll talk more about the Aggies, but you know, I think you know again, the Aggies had were very uneven last year, and now they're missing some of their biggest, most important pieces. Sure. They, and yeah. so I think that there's some open questions about how exactly they're going to go about replacing 100 percent of that production. I was just saying, this, don't sleep on Jalen Warren, man. Ooh, he's good. Oh, oh, I'm not. I know. <laughs> I'm I'm hey, that's, that's for the audience, it's not just you and me. Yeah. All right. Final game at Boise State. That's a loss. Ooh, it's not the year? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Is it ever going to be the year? Maybe someday. They had the big lead the one time, lost in overtime. Just mm-hmm. saying. Um, it's on the road. Not likely. You no, know what's interesting to me? I'm looking at Bill, Bill, Bill Cease's percentage of win totals. Is is it me or him? Because, oh, really quick. My win total, six and six. What, yeah. were, you, what were you at? Uh, I've got the Rams at eight and four. Eight and four. I actually had them at and, five and five and three in conference. I had them at five and seven at one point, but I switched Utah State game. Mm. So what? What's your victories then? Uh, let's see. In order: um, home versus Colorado, home versus Northern Colorado, at Vanderbilt, home versus Fresno, home versus New Mexico, at UNLV, at Air Force, Utah State. That's right. Even being Air Force, crazy. So I my lot my. Lo- when C, Colorado, Oregon State, Northern Colorado, Vandy, New Mexico, UNLV, Utah State. I can see them like all the, like here's the thing. I have my toss up games. I have one, two, three, four, five. I probably could put San Diego State toss up, but I could see, I could see them getting maybe seven or eight wins. Like Wyoming, I just think they have their number. They're, I don't see that too much as a toss up, but like they could lose Utah State possibly. Um, they could easily beat Fresno State, I think, but. I just think a new coach coming in going eight, nine wins, it's going to be tough. Like, I'm high on the team to do well. I just think there's that stretch is just going to get to them at some point. So that's why I'm at six and six. But, like, you have eight wins. Bill C's most likely outcome is seven and five. We're still a 21.9% to get eight wins. Mm-hmm. He has them almost 30% at five conference wins. 1% chance of 11 plus wins. Interesting. <laughs> <So> <laughs> just you're saying. saying there's a chance. Hey. There's always a chance, though. Until you get that loss number two, there's always a chance, right? True. He technically has seven toss-up games, so he's kind of so. That's kind of where this could have a big swing for this team, like where we're pretty high. Like he, like Bill has a like five to nine victories at ten percent or more. That's mm-hmm. kind of the range. Like I could see a scenario where they could go like four and eight, or eight and four. Do you see that being a possibility with this team? There's yeah, there's a very wide w- uh, window of uh, prob- possibilities here. Yeah, because like the P five teams aren't great, but they may have some better talent overall or depth at least. But, like I think it, if they go four and eight again, it's gonna be a massive disappointment. Like what? Like yeah, it's like I I think a bowl game is probably where they should be shooting for this year. Oh yeah, I I definitely agree. like again they could have the best offense in the conference. Like if that offensive gets going. And the defense is about average. Like, like I'm not afraid to say they could beat Fresno, they could beat Wyoming, or even San Diego State. That's nine wins if they, you know what I mean. That mm-hmm. could be nine wins for me. But I think there's a team where they're going to be fun to watch, lots of offense, 
it's just going to be kind of like a heart attack season in some of these games, I think. Yeah. So, anything else you need to add about the Rams team? Rams I season? I think we are all set. All right. Here's our first preview in the books. We're walking walking through you with the, walking through, yeah, with the offseason here. We have a lot more to do. We'll put up a Twitter poll at NWC Wire for the next uh, matchup we have, or the next game, I guess, for our team we're going to preview. We'll put up four teams on our Twitter poll. And we'll have our, I'll say at the end of every show because it depends on people listening. Matt, our top 50 count now. We'll be working on that right now. We'll let you know officially when it comes out with lots of off-season previews, some more in-depth OOC stuff. Because we're just kind of scratching the surface to get you a quick couple minutes for those teams. So but we're going to kick our stuff into high gear. We'll keep you updated on any news that comes about through the Mountain West or college football. And we'll be back next week. And yeah, subscribe to our show. We're anywhere you get your podcast, right? I use Pocket Casts. I love it. It's great. Whatever. You, what do you do? Would you say Overcast? Is that your service of choice? No, I actually switched to Spotify. Ooh, why is that? It's curious. This is where I listen to all my music. That's true. So yeah. why not? Why not listen to all my podcasts hey, too? That's our link we put on our page. I use Pocket Cast for a few other reasons. I think the uh, my reason I like the organizational aspect to touch better than Spotify, but I use it for all my music. I know a lot of people use it, so I put it on the website to subscribe, listen to, link to, whatever. But yeah. Um, give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff, and we'll be back next week for preview number two.